0: Adventures between the Arctic and Antarctic. Listen to Arvid Fuchs on the Ocean Change Podcast. Welcome to this podcast episode. Here is Babel in Hamburg.
1: And here is Arvid, still
0: in Bad Bramstedt. Still in Bad Bramstedt, Arvid. But uh, when will you start your next expedition? Not so many days left.
1: No, that's true. So not so many days left before we will start. And uh, we will actually start on Monday, the 26th of June. So a little bit more than a week. And uh, uh, yeah, and now we are getting ready for, for the
0: next uh, ocean change expedition part. So the Dagmar Orn is prepared. Is she already equipped with marine tech? Yeah,
1: she's still in Kiel. We, um, at the moment, we are uh, in Kiel and uh, the scientific equipment has been installed the last couple of days. So we got the ocean pack and uh, the uh, weather office uh, checked the equipment. So, and the new satellite system has been checked and installed. So a lot of work is still going on, but everything seems to be on schedule and um, seems to be working as it's supposed to be.
0: We should uh, mention shortly why the Dagmar Orn is in Kiel, because uh, last week there was the flyby of the ocean race, the world's toughest sailing race, and you were there, Arvid.
1: Yeah, we were invited by the city of Kiel, the sailing city of Kiel. And uh, so it was actually, it was a big event. And uh, we... um, we had the chance to, to moor, to tie up uh, along the pier of the Geoma Institute in Kiel. And this uh, is exactly where the, the buoy was installed, where the, the racers would uh, turn around. So they, they, they didn't stop in the port of Kiel, but they came from uh, the Danish port of Ouse and um, sailed into the fjord uh, to Kiel. And then they turned around and, and went uh, further on through the Skagerrak and then uh, to Den Haag in, in the Netherlands, and so it was just a um, flyby, as it was called, and uh, it was amazing to see these racing yachts um, with this amazing speed mm-hmm. and just uh, racing into the to the Kiel Harbour and then turned around, and uh, yeah, we were just there, and it was just. Um, uh, yeah, it was very exciting to, to watch that. And of course, we, we also had some uh, conversations with scientists and journalists who were there attending their race.
0: And you watched Boris Hermann's Hailing By, and there is a connection between Boris and you. Boris read your books when he was young, and you have been his role model. And so now you were there uh, watching him fly by.
1: Yeah, we know each other for quite a while now, and uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm full of admiration. Living on a boat like that because it's just—I've uh, never sailed on a boat like that, but uh, according to people who have done so, so it's it's noisy. It's uh, there's always kind of vibration, and and uh, sometimes it's hard to communicate because it's so loud, and uh, there's no luxury at all. So it's it's just like a race yard and uh, I mean racing at at uh, this speed. I mean, uh, I think he just set up a new record. I think 641 nautical miles in in, in 24 hours. So that's the fastest ever a monohull boat has sailed and uh, so that means i think it's an average of 25 knots and sometimes they have to accelerate up to more than 30 knots to to keep up this record so it's it's just unbelievable and uh, so uh, yeah i have a lot of respect what what these guys are
0: doing it's quite a different approach of sailing, but the yachts of the ocean race have marine tech on board as well as the Dagmar on has marine tech to gain data during their race.
1: Yeah, uh, the Malaysia and other racing yards are equipped with scientific equipment mm-hmm. and uh, they are also called ships of opportunity because they, they sailed around the Antarctic continent basically. And this is an area where uh, very seldom ships sail and and if they do doesn't mean that they necessarily collect data about the the co2 and salinity and, and seawater temperature and, and other things so um, but uh, Boris did and, and some other yards as well and uh, this is very important data for the Institute's because I don't know if you have heard that uh, the waters around the Antarctic has swarmed considerably up and uh, so it's, it's it's changing dramatically not only only in the north but down south as well and that's why the scientists need uh, these data and um Actually, we had a prototype of this ocean pack already in 2014 on our trip to Greenland, and then it has been improved, of course, but it's it's the same company, it's Subsitech uh, company in, in Kiel, who is producing uh, these um, instruments and these devices, and uh, now we have the same, basically, like like Boris and the other yachts, and uh, so uh, we have a totally different approach towards sailing. The boat's couldn't be any more different. But um, <laughs> yes. yes, but uh, it's, it doesn't matter really because uh, the important thing is that uh, we are combined and, and, and trying to improve the knowledge about uh, the oceans and, and to get people involved. And I think the, the race is something that uh, creates a lot of interest for all kinds of um, audiences. And uh, I think that's, that's very important.
0: Yes, people are interested in the ocean race, but people are also interested in your expedition, Ocean Change. And you will start 11 days from now on uh, June 26th. So you have prepared the Dagmar on with, you have equipped her with marine tech, but have you already bought nutrition for the, I think, 10 people on board?
1: Yeah, we will be 10 people on board and uh well we we just uh sat together t- uh, yesterday and, and finished our plans what we have to buy for provisions so that will be basically the last thing to come on board to to get it fresh and uh, and then it will be stored uh yeah, in the course of the next week, and the first crew members will arrive. I think on Wednesday already, and uh, go on board and to help storing all the equipment. But the ship is well prepared now, so uh, what, what's, what's left is basically uh, the provision, the food, and um, and then uh, we will start. Uh, the first leg will go from from Flensburg uh, to Rostock-Vahrenwünder, which is in the Baltic, and we will have a meeting with the um, scientific institute, uh, of, uh, Varnemünde and, um that's uh, focused on, on uh, research in the Baltic, and we will have a cooperation. So we will get some kind of what they call it, Argo floats, which are um, uh, some kind of uh, buoys who are taking um, data from, from the water. And so they will stay in the water for, I think, at least three years and uh, so and will collect the data and will transmit them to the institutes. So a lot of things going on and uh, yeah it's it's going to be exciting yeah
0: what rules do you have on board during the expedition uh, i mean let's talk again about the the nutrition who cooks uh, uh, is there one person who's responsible who takes care of of nutrition yeah you have to have
1: a professional it's, it's it's so important food on board is is vital so that's why some people say that the cook is even more important than the captain on board because <laughs> <laughs> it yes. keeps the yeah the, the cook is in charge of of the spirit on board and to keep uh, keep a high spirit so it's yeah and and you have to take into consideration that uh, we have some vegetarians in the crew and so we have to have uh, well basically the two kinds of, of dishes and I couldn't do that really because I mean by the way I have other things to do on board but uh, even though if I would be free I I, I wouldn't be uh, capable to to um, do the cooking for, for 10 people and, uh, and get all the supplies. So we, we, we are lucky we have some professionals in the crew who who are either chefs or cooks or who are just uh, involved in, in food logistics and, and uh, with wholesalers or whatever. So uh, there are quite a few good uh, and, and highly professional people on board who are taking care of that.
0: During all your expeditions uh, in the, I think... 45, 46 years. I guess you've had several invitations and you've had uh, very extraordinary food. Is there anything you remember?
1: Yeah, there's one one thing I... (laughs) <laughs> in particular, I remember very well. So that was a couple of years ago when we were in the very northwest of Greenland and in, in, in the actually world's northernmost settlement called Sierra uh, Only some 45 people are living there, hunters. And uh, I was invited to a dish which is called uh, kiviak. Uh, I read about it in, in books already but but uh, I never tasted it and i uh kiviak is is basically uh consists out of of small birds which are being caught in in uh in nets in the springtime when they start nesting in the cliffs around the settlement and there are thousands of them so uh it's 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 just unbelievable how many of these little birds come to to nest in in, in the cliffs and then locals they, they go out with um with nets, and they catch the birds and they kill them, and uh, when they have a number of about a hundred or so, they just put them in a in a raw seal skin hide, which has still a lot of uh, blubber, a lot of uh, fat around the, the skin and they just they they put them in as as many as would fit, and then they close the the hide they they sew it up and uh, they put it underneath a couple of rocks and let it sit there for the rest of the year and It started of course to rot and uh, so uh, this was just a kind of precautionary measurement to to um, have food when when the winter approaches and and then there's not much food left and then they would approach these rock pile and would recover their their seal skin hide and would open it up and it stinks so it smells like old cheese for example and uh, and the, the the blubber inside the uh, the seal skin would have uh, penetrated uh, the little corpse of the birds and they are very oily and sticky and greasy and then you would pull out these little corpse and they still have the feathers they, they still have ah. the intestines everything in it and then you would pull just on one side and because it's also greasy and and, and um, so you would just pull the feathers with the skin and everything up and just dump it somewhere and then you would uh, eat this little black uh, skinny birds and then there's some some flesh of course and and you would eat it and um, so we were both worried so my friend duck and i were taking part <laughs> in this meal and we were worried that we would just be very sick uh, in the evening but nothing happened really so um, it it was just basically rotten meat but it was very tender wow. and It it tasted not as bad as, as it smelled and as, as we were supposed it would taste. So, but anyways, it, it it was a very, very strange meal. And we were, of course, watched by the, by the locals, by the Inuit who were, who invited us and they, uh, they actually thought we would never eat it. And, but we did. And uh, I think that's uh, why we were somehow uh, uh, accepted and uh, that we just uh, at least gave it a try and then took part in this meal.
0: And you, you didn't just have a tiny little bite of it so you enjoyed a bird?
1: No, we had several birds actually, Separate because they were armored. there yeah there, there was a whole bowl of uh of of these old rotten birds, and everybody was helping himself and uh and they liked it actually, so they they thought it was delicious and uh so and uh, we just played the game, and we just had i don't know how many but uh four or five birds, so it's, it's it's a these are small birds, so there's not much left- and also the bones they are just very very um, uh, Soft. You can even eat the bones because everything really? is just. Uh, yeah, you just basically eat the whole bird and just left the skin and the feathers and what's inside the the bird and and you drop the the head of course, but the rest will be eaten. And uh, we
0: we we didn't get sick at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I. I
1: um, but but uh, yeah, be careful if you get an invitation somewhere up north and Northern Greenland. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, good to know, Arvid. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we look forward to accompanying you on your next expedition, and I think let's talk again uh, on the day when you start. Looking forward to that. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: See you then. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. That was the podcast Ocean Change by Arvid Fuchs and Babel Fenig.